Have you ever found yourself questioning the ideas, opinions, or beliefs of those around you, whether that be your family, your church, your community, or even society at large, but yet not feel as if it's okay to question them? In today's episode, I'm going to deconstruct how that could actually be due to gaslighting. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. I've got some exciting new things about to be launched in a few weeks. So if you'd like to be in the know, I'd like to invite you to sign up to be on my email list. Today, my guest is the Jenny Rochelle. I've known Jenny for many years, and it's been incredible watching her step into her power and purpose. Jenny Rochelle is the queen of intimacy. As a coach and mentor for smart, successful women who desire to create conscious, intimate connections, Jenny has helped hundreds of women reconnect with themselves, their bodies, and their beloveds. With a master's in spiritual formation, she awakens women to their birthright of sexual freedom. And as a survivor of abuse, Jenny is also a thought leader. I love that description, by the way a thought leader in the field of betrayal trauma. Her podcast, Beauty After Betrayal, which I've been on a couple of times, (laughs) has helped thousands (laughs) of women heal with hope and rise. Inspired by her clients and informed by her own journey, Jenny's work is focused on mentoring high-achieving, emotionally intelligent women to get out of their heads and into their bodies in order to shift their relationship to pleasure, sex, and intimacy. Jenny is a certified life coach trained according to the multidimensional partner trauma model developed by the Association of Partners of Sex Addiction Trauma Specialists. Me too. (laughs) Jenny is also a poet, a wife, a boy mom, and a mystic who loves butter, coffee, bacon, traveling, and her pugs. Jenny, thank you so, so much for being on my podcast today. I'm so thrilled to be here. You know how much I love and admire you. So thank you for having me on. You're most welcome. So um, I just should pause and say, like, y'all buckle up. Um, Jenny and I have known (laughs) each other for a long time, and I can guarantee there's going to be ad-libbing. There's going to be some cussing. um, There's going to be lots of laughter. Um, and just really, in my opinion, I think a lot of things that are going to challenge some of your maybe thoughts and struggles and questions. And, um, I'm really, really excited about what we're going to bring to you today. Um, the word of the day is indoctrinate. So indoctrinate falls under the umbrella of brainwashing, but in my opinion, it's different in that in most cases, when we're talking about indoctrination, the situations will revolve around groups as opposed to one-on-one, right? So one-on-one is kind of more the brainwashing when you have one or two individuals, like maybe your mom and dad or whatever, whereas um, indoctrinate is more of something we experience in large quantities, right? Like, so whole groups, whole communities. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jenny's Southern Baptist upbringing. And, you know, in small towns in Texas, it's not just when you walk through the doors of the church that you experience that Southern Baptist mentality. It's the whole community. It's when you're walking down the street and into the grocery store, right? Like it's these, that's like kind of the, the essence and the feel of indoctrination, right? So here is the actual definition of indoctrinate. And it's to teach someone to fully accept the ideas, 
opinions, and beliefs of a particular group and to not consider other ideas, opinions, and beliefs. Now, when I wrote that earlier, I got a little triggered. Jenny, did did you feel that at all? Yeah, I'm I'm tearing up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, right? Like uh, you and I have both lived that. And I know a lot of my listeners have too. When you don't feel like you're allowed to question, and we're going to unpack that, right? So for me, there were many examples of this experience in my life growing up in the conservative Bible belt of America, right? Like, um, but what I want you to understand, dear listener today, that for the purpose of deconstructing and identifying, I typically pull apart things that are almost always overlapping. Y'all know, if you've been listening to my podcast, I am a huge science nerd, loved me my chemistry. And this kind of makes me think of H2O or water, right? Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, right? To me, The gaslighting we experience in the religious, cultural, and societal constructs Mm -hmm. are like H2O, but for Mm -hmm. me, it would be I2C. (laughs) Two parts indoctrinate, (laughs) one part coercion. (laughs) We've always got to have that coercion piece, right? And again, we're going to unpack this. You're going to see some really great examples in our stories today. Um, But what we basically experience here is in order to be loved, approved, accepted or maybe worthy or wanted, you have to align your ideas, opinions, and beliefs to theirs. So today, Jenny and I are going to explore the ways that we experience this revolving around the topic of sex. So with that, I do want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Like Jenny and I are not going to pull punches. Um, I know for me, some of the stuff I heard was really messed up and traumatizing around sex. I know the same thing for Jenny. Um, I think there are also some, some really great things that we're going to talk about as well. Um, but you know, I just wanted to encourage you to take care of yourself. If this is a topic that is in any way triggering for you, um, to just take it slow, pause, come back. I do think, um, I'm not going to push you to uh, carry on and listen to this episode, but I think that you're going to find a lot of freedom once we get past maybe some initial challenges to some of the constructs that you might have been given as a person growing up in a fairly puritanical society. <laughs> right? <laughs> puritanical yeah, and patriarchal. Much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Um, okay. So Jenny, let's get into story time. I know that there is not just one place or one person in your life where you experience gaslighting around the topic of sex. Um, but I, w- I did want to back up. You, you gave me some great examples. I kind of wanted to start in the beginning, right? Um, and just like at large, right? So n- not specific stories quite yet. But if you were to identify the different areas that you experienced gaslighting around the topic of sex, how many can you name? Uh, family of origin, school, church, friends, uh, media, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I, I think the fact that you liken it to water mm-hmm. or, or the air that we breathe, mm-hmm. right? It, you're abs- it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. It was everywhere when I was growing up. My, some of my old, earliest memories, some of my earliest memories, period, mm. are around being shamed about my body and about being curious. Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Some of my earliest memories. Yeah. And you shared a specific story with me that happened when you were a young girl. Would would you share that with my listeners? 
I will. So this is my favorite. This is the story that gets pulled out every time I talk about childhood trauma. I have mm-hmm. ETT this. I have EFT this. <laughs> <laughs> All of the E's I have mm-hmm. done this mm-hmm. story. And I'm laughing at like, Dear listeners of Sarah, I laugh through really painful things. It's mm. how I've survived all these years. So I will laugh at inappropriate times. It's what I do. <laughs> this is a terrible story that I'm laughing at now. Mm-hmm. I was like seven years old and um, I had a best friend whose name was Heather. And she had a brother named Jeff and I had a brother named Tom and we were like boyfriend and girlfriend. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, Jeff was her brother, was my boyfriend. I'm seven. Remember? Right, right, right. Heather was with my brother. They were like eight and nine. Like we were super young. We would like come over to each other's houses and hang out. And this is the 70s. So nobody was watching us all mm-hmm. the time either. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we had a lot of free time mm-hmm. that like kids today do not have. No. Mm-hmm. But we would sometimes like sneak off and, and, peck like kiss each other sure. right on the mouth completely totally innocent mm-hmm. i also sometimes we would do this in this i had this playhouse we call it a playhouse it was basically a shed on the back of my grandparents property that my mm-hmm. granddad had built for me when i was a little girl to play in and when this i had played in it for i mean i was probably like five or so when he built it so i had played in it for a few years and um and then this started happening with Heather and Jeff and my brother and the blah, blah, blah. We used mm-hmm. to call it like, get with it. I uh-huh. think that was, <laughs> that's why we're going to go get with it. Uh-uh. <laughs> that's what we called it. So Great. one day though, I took a giant magic marker. You know, the big old magic markers that stink really with a whole bunch. I yeah, yeah you mark, get high marks off of them. a lot. Mm-hmm. Marks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote on the side of my playhouse, this is the Lonely Hearts Club which I'm pretty sure I got from a cartoon. This Mm -hmm. is the Lonely Hearts Club. (laughs) It has loving and kissing in it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Completely innocent. Yeah. Completely like, when I said loving, I meant like we loved each other. Right. (laughs) Feelings. Wasn't code word for sex. Right. It It wasn't like, like, wait, wait, let's talk about sex. Right. So somehow at some point, I mean, because Obviously, I was seven and I wasn't particularly trying to hide it because I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. Right. My family right. discovered it. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember now, this is like this moment, I can see it so clearly in my mind's eye. <sighs> I'm sitting in the backyard in Abilene, Texas, like, you know, probably half a mile from a hundred Baptist churches right. and Church of Christ churches <laughs> all over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't throw a rock without fucking hitting one. Right. I'm sitting in the backyard. And my granddad is there, and my grandmother's there, and my mom is there, and my brother is there. Mm-hmm. I just not want to cry about it. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother is just railing on me. Mm-hmm. And like, how could you have done that? And I don't remember what she said, but I remember like this becomes like just sort of the whole gaslighting, yeah. I'll even call it spiritual abuse that I experienced yeah. as a child. Yeah. It was just like, you're going to go straight to hell. It's a sin. You can't talk about that. You're, yeah. so, you're a dirty girl. Just like all of these super shameful messages yep. that I wasn't even talking about sex. Right. Right. You didn't even know what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was like, <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. 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 So yeah. much fear and shame. And I. I can imagine, like I said, I've processed the fuck yeah. out of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. 42 years since then. Yeah. But I make up my grandmother, like, what was, like, going on inside of her in that mm-hmm. moment? And, like, mm-hmm. 
I make up now that she was really afraid for my soul. Yeah. Right? Like it was this fear that she was trying to save me from something Mm -hmm. because she had been indoctrinated, Mm -hmm. right? Like for her whole life. Yep. Yeah. You know, which I love, again, I love when people bring that up because I I face it all the time. I faced it in a forum just the other day where I tried to voice an opinion that I don't think everybody that gaslights does it on purpose. And the (laughs) person, This person responded and told me that I was either either ill-informed or misguided (laughs) because everyone that gaslights is the most evil person and it's the most worst thing that anybody can do to anybody ever. And I was like, listen, like sometimes that's what's accurate and what's happening. And sometimes it's a grandma that's been indoctrinated herself who doesn't know the damage that she's doing. That's also sometimes the case. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't lessen the trauma that it did to you just because she wasn't her intent, intent and impact are two completely different things, mm-hmm. right? So someone's intent cannot be to harm and yet they can do severely damaging harm that like causes someone to be on a path like we talked about with Kat or someone who can carry shame or repression or all of these different things for decades. And they don't mean to have that be the effect or the impact. And yet it still is. Right. So I love that you, that you said that and that you can have a little bit of compassion for your gram who, you know, didn't mean to harm you and yet really did. Um, And really did. And And I know you and I were talking offline a little bit too about, um, you know, the kind of messages that you and I got as, as kids about sex and, you know, the to do's and to don'ts. And I don't mean like, how to have sex. I mean, all of the other rules <laughs> that went along with it. And, you, you know, you shared um, something with me about what your mom said to you after she kind of had the talk, <laughs> right? Like yeah, what her, the talk, what her yeah. words were to you afterwards. And what, what were those words? Um, so, so she, yeah, I don't remember whatever she said to me about sex. I was probably disassociated. Probably. I, like, I don't want to no. talk about this with my Look, mom. Look away. <laughs> But I remember her saying something and like, but I know you're a good girl and you're going to wait till you get married to have sex. Yeah. And I'm looking at her in the face and <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. nodding. I'm nodding and and, and, and nodding in agreement. Mm-hmm. Yes, mom, I'm going to wait till I have sex. And in my head, I'm like, and I'm little at this point, mm-hmm. still pretty little. And I'm like, there's no way I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's what, you know, I... I think what's interesting, right, is um, this is where I just want to like freestyle and riff off of each other for a little bit here for our listeners who likely are thinking of their own stories, right? Yeah. And and just, um, you know, just sex in general, again, not the actual mechanics of it, but all of the different rules and, and things that we were meant to follow and believe about it in general. And, you know, I think my response was a little bit different, right? Like there was so much shame around sex. Um, in the culture that I grew up in and the the religious atmosphere and different things like that. Like I've, I've told people this story at a number of different times. And every time I tell it, people are absolutely horrified that this is the experience that I have. But what that makes me think of is, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, every year I want to say most of elementary school and through, I think the beginning of high school, I went to camp for the summer 
And it was a Christian camp and, you know, you'd have your little counselors and do the big meetings and all of the different things. And the counselors were always like the super cool people, like, you know, like, oh my God, I love my counselor. I want to be just like my counselor. And so all these kids (laughs) would like super look up to these super cool counselors who were like, you know, the the A team or whatever, you know what I mean? Like the popular kind of, kind of vibe, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll never forget. This is probably, you know, seventh-ish grade. I, I wouldn't remember exactly. Actually, probably in the in in that society, it was probably even older. Um, but I remember them doing this kind of skit, if you will, where mm-hmm. um where they had all of the counselors get up on stage. And I think I, I remember obviously I dissociated a little bit or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, what the fuck is happening yep. right now? But I think they had toothpaste and toothbrush or something. And so then they were like brushing their teeth and then, and then they passed along this cup and they didn't drink from it. But what they did is as each one got done kind of brushing their teeth, they spit into the cup. So like by the end of this like line of counselors, you had this cup full of like 10 different people's spit, right? And like toothpaste and all the things. And oh my God. The, the purpose of this story was it was an analogy of what happens when you have sex mm-hmm. before marriage. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just that you're, you're, it's a bad thing or even sin, but the message that I took away is that's disgusting, So if you have sex before you're married, then what you are offering to your spouse is something that is disgusting. That was the message that I took away from that. Yeah. Right. It was like, boy, you know, I remember, in fact, I remember one counselor that I had, um, not therapist counselor, like camp counselor, um, talking about how lucky she was to have found someone who loved her because she, you know, had been promiscuous and had had sex before she got married Mm. and he still Mm -hmm. accepted her and still wanted her like lucky bitch. (laughs) Like, woo, she (laughs) like dodged a bullet there. Like, wow. Who, not many people who would probably have wanted her. I mean, but that's, Mm -mm. those were the thoughts. So of course, like good night, right? Like, my ex wasn't just my first sexual experience. He was the first guy that I kissed. Yeah. I was so terrified of my own sexuality, of letting that, that, that natural normal thing in me develop. Like it was squashed every opportunity. Like, nope, don't get turned on. That should not be exciting. Right. Like all of these self gaslighting messages, because there was so much shame around Mm -hmm. even wanting to be sexual. Yeah. Right. It was something to be afraid of. Yeah. Something that we have to control and keep under wraps. I mean, I was raised Baptist, so we couldn't even fucking dance. Right. right. <laughs> dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would get out of control and end up having sex. Right. Because <laughs> we know how fast that happens. Exactly. I've, I've had sex pretty much every time I've danced. So every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's laughable now, yeah. but like, it was so horrific. Yeah. And I know it still happens. It's like this yeah. shame and judgment yeah. that we have around our bodies and around women's, mm. our feminine sexuality is still so pervasive. Yes. Like today. 
today. Yes. It's still everywhere. Yeah. So that's a great transition because I wanted to kind of separate out the two things that you and I talked about offline, which is first of all, just sex, period. And then the extra messages that we get to carry around as women and <laughs> our sexuality, right? <laughs> so let's sum up the first part. For me, the two messages that that I really felt like I identified was sex is not okay and sex is shameful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe yeah. in there too, like, we, you know, you shouldn't want to have sex, like push it away, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, let's now, after we kind of wrap that up or summarize the first part, let's, let's transition into, into what it's like for us as women, the messages we have about us as sexual beings and the gaslighting that we have experienced. So, um, you know, you shared with me a couple of messages that you really felt were given to you to believe and to try to align yourself or morph yourself or maybe I would say conform to, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? As a woman? Yeah. What are some of those messages that you felt you had? I mean, there, there are so many, and I actually just taught um, a masterclass last night on debunking myths around feminine sexuality. So there's, there's, there's a whole (laughs) Mm -hmm. whole lot of them, but, but yeah, well, first of all, we're just not supposed to like sex. Right. It's our duty. Mm-hmm. Right. We're supposed to lay back, mm-hmm. <laughs> enjoy it or mm-hmm. not enjoy it. We're not even actually supposed to enjoy it. <laughs> right. We're not supposed to want pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Or receive pleasure. It's it's we're only supposed to want to give pleasure. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to like sex. We're sure as fuck not supposed to initiate sex. Right. right? We have to wait. Right. It's sort of this carryover from like the dude has to propose to us or ask us out on a date. It's sort mm-hmm. of like this really continued extenuation of all of that. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be powerless Mm. Mm. because that's really what all that's saying (sighs) wow let that one sink in we have to be powerless right no wonder we're set up for so much shit when it comes to to abuse and different things like that right because you know when you reduce it down you know to like essence uh, you know to, to think that that is the message i'm like like mind blown right like um You know, I was thinking a lot about this after we had our initial conversation and, um, you know, I was really honing in on something you said about how, you know, women aren't really supposed to like sex. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm going to date myself here, but I, I don't know why, but I immediately was like transported back to my high school years and I turned 13 in 1988 and there were a couple of movies that hit the hit the screen in 1988. Um, one of them I was a little too young for, and I probably didn't see till much later, but I'm still going to reference it. The other one was like one of my go-tos for many, many years. They both starred Julia Roberts. Mm. Mm-hmm. So one of them was Mystic Pizza. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And the other yes. one was one that a lot of people don't know. Um, it was called Satisfaction that actually had Justine Bateman. So those of those of you that are like my and Jenny's age are gonna be like, oh, Justine Bateman, like family ties, like, oh my God, I loved her so much. And you know, and yes, so um it's a fantastic movie. But in both movies, ironically, Julie Roberts' character was very sexual. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you know the satisfaction movie too, or just the Mystic Pizza one? 
I don't, I don't, I don't remember satisfaction. Okay. I had a no weird don't. video story. I worked in a video store, but I'm not going to share that boring okay. story with you later. Okay. But I know I'm familiar with the movie, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I don't know that I've seen it, but I for sure, I just, I had Mystic Pizza on recently because my baby sister got married in Mystic, Connecticut last year. Oh, okay. So I was watching it. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I'm, yes, I'm deeply remembering Julia Roberts' character. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So in, and why I bring this up. It's very interesting to me. So first of all, um, for those of you who don't know Mystic Pizza, it's it's a great movie. But in it, Julia Roberts' character is is very sexually active, we'll just say. And one of the characters actually names a boat after her by putting the word nympho on the mm. boat. That's the name of the boat. Right. And um, mm-hmm. in the second movie as well, like Julia Roberts character is seen as someone who's, you know, pretty sexually active. And it's she's treated with disrespect because of that, not because of her intelligence, yeah. not right. Like she's not betraying anybody. She's like, you know, teenager who's or graduated. I think they just graduated high school in the movie or whatever. Right. Point is, I was talking with a friend last night and I was like, is there a word I was kind of being cheeky. I'm like, is there a word that we use when we talk about women who have sex a lot? She's like, yeah, yeah. slut. I'm like, do Sluts. we have a word for man who does the same thing? No, we have to specify male slut, male prostitute, mm-hmm. male this. Like, So the inference there and all of these things mm-hmm. is that women who enjoy having sex it's a negative connotation, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it also says that sluts are inherently feminine. Well, right. That's what I'm. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's a whole, whole other <laughs> yeah. thing too. Because we don't even have a word from for the, we don't have the a word. right. Yeah. Like stud is probably the closest thing that I can think of that in the male car- culture that they would call them right. Like, oh, what a stud! Like he slept with you know somebody on the football. Like I'm thinking back to high school, right? Like somebody on the football yeah. team who had had a number of conquests. Like, oh, what a stud! And a, a girl who has sex with like one person in high school is like, what a slut! Like she, what can you slut. believe that she? Right? The messages that we received as women, especially, right. And I know guys have their own gaslighting around it, but we can't speak to that because that's not our experience, right? Right. Um, but I think, you know, th- for me, those those message that you said, you know, women aren't supposed to like sex. We give pleasure. We don't receive pleasure. Um, I'm going to tr- – I'll trigger warning. I'm going to get a little bit graphic here for a second. It makes me think of a, a conversation I had <laughs> with a couple of my friends who referenced a, a Sex in the City quote where um, they talked about there's a reason why they call it a blowjob because we don't like it or something like that. Like I never saw it. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know it, but it made me think of that. Like, <laughs> like we're, it's supposed to feel like a job, like the th- like, and, and yet we're supposed to do it too. I think that's the inference, right? Like, okay, if you don't like giving oral sex, don't do it. Don't do it. And yeah. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. You don't have to, right? Like it's not, it shouldn't feel like a job. Right. It should be pleasurable and all of these things. And and yet we've been told that if we do, then we're nympho. That's the actual word, right. like nymphomaniac, like someone who, you know, likes sex too much and pursues multiple partners and all of these types of things. And it's, it's just oh, so much negativity around feminine sexual positivity. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, when we were chatting and you're asking me to fill in Blake questions. Yeah. And, and it's like, so if, if 
if having sex makes you a slut and it's shameful, what, what does that say mm-hmm. if I still like, and what does it mean? And I was like, well, I still had sex. Right. I was very promiscuous for lots of reasons. Also have a history of childhood sexual abuse, mm-hmm. which will result. It's like an, an algorithm. Uh, ended up, I ended up being very sexually promiscuous also just because I was really sex positive and curious, mm-hmm. like since I was a little girl. But because of that, I lived in this conflict with myself. Mm-hmm. So much shame. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was I still would have sex. But most of the time I was drunk mm-hmm. as I got older mm-hmm. and put myself because of that, put myself in really unsafe situations because of the shame again. Right. Because of the shame. Right. You, yeah. this is, here's this thing that you want to do. But it's wrong and shameful to do it. So in order to be able to allow myself to do it, I have to numb myself in order Mm -hmm. to be able to do this thing that I want to be able to do. Which, side note, like we're not trying to say that everybody should have the same viewpoint, right? Like different people are going to have different um, desires, different, I don't know if you would call them morals, but maybe values around how they want to experience sex, when, Mm -hmm. like what they might want to wait for. In, in a relationship before they, you know, go to that kind of intimacy with a person. Like, but the point is the removal of shame around yeah. other people's, uh, like going back to indoctrinate, right? Like when we don't allow other people to have other opinions or other values or other like preferences or different things like that, right? That's when it becomes gaslighting, right? It We're not trying to say everybody should, think the same way you and I do. Right? Absolutely not. But like, but the point is to think for yourself exactly, right? or to figure out like what I love the word values, actually what's mm. in alignment with your values. Yep. Right. I have clients who have, who are, you know, are recovering from betrayal trauma and they make all kinds of different decisions that I would make, but I fucking love that they're doing it, yep. that they're owning their bodies yep. and living the way that they want. And I love that you're speaking to, you know, if someone's out there listening and, and they're getting triggered by the stuff we're talking about mm-hmm. and I've come to sort of like think about triggers and I have so much love. I get it. I was triggered. I have a horrific story. My ex is a sex addict. So I, all of that I get. And mm-hmm. also it, when you, when you start to heal the triggers, actually, I believe come to be the places that we need to look at. Yeah. I believe that as it's a society in general, the sort of the last work that we all get to is around our sexuality mm. because it's so shameful mm. because we hide it away. And mm-hmm. that's what makes sex addiction so difficult and, and hard to treat. Right? right. Right. Yeah. That's some good stuff. So you talked about one of the fill in the blanks that I had you do. I would actually love to just do a few of them right now too. Um, and see what you would say. I know you kind of already it. answered some of them, but I'd love to just, just so the, the, again, so my listeners can connect the dots, right? Because when yeah. there's gaslighting, there's an if then, right? Especially if there's some indoctrination and, and you know, like that, I see, I to see, right? Like if there's a little bit of coercion yes. in there, right? So you already did one. I'm going to find the other ones here real quick. Okay. So, um, the other one is women aren't supposed to like sex, women who like sex are sluts. And so therefore, if I like having sex, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me or I'm a slut, (laughs) right? Like that means that we have to, we have to name that identity for ourselves if that's what we believe. So then of course, 
again, what we do is we conform ourselves to something that maybe is not in alignment with who we are or how we would live if we were free to be us. Right. Right. And I know this will challenge some people because me, again, growing up in the, um, the way that I grew up, I remember, I don't, I don't know if you know this story. Um, I remember the day of my divorce, I did my divorce a little bit different and I, I kind (laughs) of, I went to the courthouse. My best friend met me there and I was in all black and she's all, what's up, Johnny Cash, which is really funny. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, you know, I actually wanted to kind of turn it into a celebration. So I had, um, four of my besties kind of come and, do a dinner with me. And then we went and I rented like this really nice room in the place that people usually go to like for their honeymoon. (laughs) Right. And Mm -hmm, we were mm -hmm. all sitting around drinking some wine, having some great conversation. And I remember asking my friends who have varying levels of, you know, not levels, varying belief systems around sex. Um, some really in the church, some not so much in the church and all of these different things. And I remember asking them, like, I wonder if I'll have sex this time before I get married. As a full ass grown ass adult, right? Like I was yeah. like, oh, huh, I wonder if that's something I'll do differently this time. Right. And they were yeah. like, yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yep. You, you will. <laughs> Which is really funny. And I kind of had to grow into that a little bit and like really wrestle with the question because I had been so indoctrinated that sex mm-hmm. outside of marriage is bad. Yeah. Wasn't allowed to question for myself. What do I think is healthy sex? And I remember again with these friends, we were talking about what do we think is healthy sex? And we talked about consenting adults where no one gets hurt. Like yes. <laughs> a, a great definition, um, you know, and, and again, going back, circling back around um, to some of the messages, I remember being told like, that's one of the worst things I can do for myself too, because then you create a soul tie and how how mm-hmm. like damaging it's going to be for me. And I'm not going to like barely almost like I'm not going to ever be able to recover if I give that part of myself to someone and then the, and then the relationship ends, like, is it hard? Yes. Is it anywhere near that kind of hard? No, it's not (laughs) right. So just like being able to be given the freedom and permission to just question for myself, right? Kind of like you said, like people can be all over the the map around what they decide to do and how they decide to do it within the confines of two consenting adults, no one gets hurt, full honesty, all of that kind of stuff. Like people can land different places, but being able to check in, you might circle back around and be like, yeah, that is actually what I wanted to do. Maybe I would have after I questioned, but give it, being given the permission to question, that's the difference, right? So let's circle back around to your story for a second. And ultimately, you know, all of these different messages that you had, both about sex and about feminine sexuality, really kind of led you to spend years of your life thinking you were sexually repressed, right? You shared that with me. What I'm curious Mm -hmm. about, because I make up that there are other women out there that are listening right now, that might be struggling with the same thing, right? So I'm curious, I'm going to name this as something that probably caused cognitive dissonance, right? Or it's like, you can't choose between the different things. So I'm just curious, like, what did this, if you can remember, I'm I'm guessing you can, what did this sound like to you or, and, and how did this affect you and impact your life? 
this this sexual repression. You know, it's it's funny. I'm, I'm jumping back to that story of when my mom talked to me about sex. I mean, that's what that in that moment, that's what it was, right? Mm-hmm. It was a split between I had to nod and be a certain way to be loved mm-hmm. and accepted in my family, but my truth was different, mm-hmm. right? My truth was different. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it set me up for sort of a lifetime of and it's like I'm still judging now when I talk about it. Like I said, I was very promiscuous. I promiscuous. I was sexually curious, but it would come out in these wonky ways. Mm. I was I'm a recovering alcoholic because, mm-hmm. like I said, I I had to drink in order to allow myself to do these things, and I would wake up in the morning and be super shameful. Mm. And I've I've talked about this before. Like I also had repeated bouts where I was the unfaithful one, mm. and and it's like. I really wasn't allowed to be me. And I think that what happens, you know, one of the things that I teach women, and I hope I'm answering your question the right way, one of the things that, you know, we, we, we have this sort of idea, or we, this is, I didn't make this up, it's actually Mago theory, right? That like, we pick people unconsciously because there's something that we're missing inside of ourselves that we're trying to get from this other person, like, like that we didn't get when we were little kids, like love, affection, protection, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And one of my theories now is that like when we're sexually repressed, we put like that sexuality on somebody else. And that's where we end up sort of getting in these unhealthy relationships and for mm. me over and over again, right? Where mm-hmm. I was trying to work something out that just didn't fit mm-hmm. either, right? In this relationship I was trying to live under. So it was a whole lot of like, I have to look and feel and act a certain way. And it wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm still at 50, almost 51, peeling back those layers of like, how do I really feel about sex? And I'm sure you've experienced this too, Sarah. Like, as you have kiddos that get mm-hmm. to the having sex age and they're like, yep. well, can my friends sleep over? I'm like, well, no, of course right? not. Like, well, <laughs> they're like, well, why? I'm like, well. Oh fuck! Okay, I don't really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's it's that, yep. and, and yep. it, it it sets you up to have these sort of knee jerk reactions mm-hmm. that are so judgy, right? Yeah. And it's like if if your morals and values, not morals, values are that you don't want your kid to be having sex, so that's fine, but not from this knee jerk. I'm not even going to think about it, or right? Give my kids like the grace and dignity to think about it, how it might be for them and not set them up with the same bullshit. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, I love what you, I love how you brought that in because I, I do think that, um, you know, me kind of coming into being divorced and now in a place where how am I going to navigate my life around this topic of sex was really impacted by my teenagers. Like they were teenagers, like one older than the other, but their, their different journeys really caused me to think about not just the letter of the law, (laughs) but what do I actually, what do I actually think? Like I am responsible for teaching this generation, (laughs) you know, my two kids that are part of this generation, what, uh, what is a healthy way to view and engage their own sexuality? Yeah. Right. And I really had to dig in and think about that. Like, you know, if I don't want my kids having sex, why? 
At what age do I think? Like, what are the parameters around that? Like, if I could have them do exactly what I wanted, what would that be? And then why? And then how do I present this in such a way where they get to decide for themselves? Because, I mean, honestly, if they own their decisions about how they want to engage sex and their sexuality, they're going to live by them, you know, by and large, right? If it's imposed on me, well, it's a gamble. (laughs) Who, who the right. heck knows, you know, I mean, you're going to find ways to have sex if that's not your, what you're trying to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard enough oh, yeah. when it, you are owning it and you are saying as a, like, I'm thinking of my 17 year old, he'd be mortified right now if I, he knew I was talking about him, but like, I'm thinking about him and I'm thinking about like, it's hard enough as a 17 year old boy to not have sex when you're trying not to, do you know what right. I mean? Like it's hard enough, yeah. let alone when you're not owning it. Like yeah. if you're not owning it and it's, you're only doing it because that you're afraid of going to hell yeah. or afraid oh, of getting God. kicked out of the house. If those are the only reasons you're doing it, I make up, it makes it that much harder or you repress it like you said, and then it fucking mm-hmm. comes out sideways. It comes out sideways. And that's the first thing you've actually said going to hell. And I meant to say it earlier. Mm-hmm. It's not just like being like cut off from family. Yeah. It is like eternal burning in a fucking fire flame. Yeah. <laughs> forever <laughs> yeah for masturbating for having sex before marriage like that's what it meant that those were the stakes when i was a kid yeah for sure same 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 right um so many different so many different messages there um okay so i know you're going to share some like tips and resources both of us are i think in the set your alarm segment um but i do want to go into my deconstruction zone to just kind of simplify this down to this whole kind of stuff that we've been talking around, around this topic of sex, around the topic of gaslighting. Like, why is it gaslighting? What part of it actually makes it something that is a gaslighting experience? I mean, yes, it's also some of it was spiritual abuse, some of it was, other, you know, but gaslighting, right? So for me, what I really wanted to do was kind of lump together your grandmother slash family of origin, religion, Mm -hmm. culture, and society as your collective gaslighter, right? So like (laughs) as if they're taking on the persona of the gaslighter, okay? And for me, um, I I named them like I did at the beginning that um, through patriarchal and puritanical messages, the validity of you questioning things was challenged. Right. And so that's one of the ways that we know to how sometimes how we know gaslighting is happening is by the effect. So when yeah. we question that our feelings, that our beliefs, that our thoughts are valid and not in like, oh, here, let me present you two sides of the story and you choose them and you're like, huh, I wonder, I started off thinking this. I wonder if that's actually what I want to do. That's different than questioning. Do I have a right? Is it valid? for me to think or feel this or believe this. It's different. Okay. So I want to point that out for my listeners. Okay. So, um, so there were these messages, question your, um, validity, right. Um, or challenge your validity to question to me that came through mostly through that, you know, I to see thing, right? Like brainwashing slash indoctrination, right? To believe that there was only one right way to have sex. Only one. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Combined with the distortion that even just your curiosity was sinful, right? Like going back all the way to just kissing, right? Is sinful. That was the word you used with me the other day, right? So sinful equals unacceptable, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, in a, 
religious culture where people were um, ostracized. They were kicked out, oh, yeah. kicked out of the church, right? For different things. Yeah. Um, right. So unacceptable. So that equals a threat to the attachment. That's that coercion yes. piece that's really slippery and hard to see with gaslighting, right? It's not a, usually typically a physical threat. That's more obvious. With gaslighting, it's more often than not a threat to the attachment. If you don't do this, than this about the relationship, right. right? So in this case, for for some of us, well, hell, for some of us, exclusion from mm -hmm. a whole ass community or family or different mm -hmm. things like that, okay? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what's happening on the gaslighter side. On, on the gaslightee side, you know, having this normal, natural human desire to be loved, to be accepted and included and wanted by others, you take that and then you combine that with the gaslighting I believe that, especially for you, I'm going to talk to you now, you tell me if this resonates, that this created a conflict between self-love and getting mm -hmm. the love from others. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. how this plays out is we fall into an ex explanation trap slash negotiation trap, right? We sacrifice our truth of who we are, of our values, mm -hmm. of our needs right? Like a new offline, we don't really dig into this, but you like to be the initiator in your relationship with Jeff, at least some of the time, if not all the time, exactly. I don't know, I, but right. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. But it took a really long time to say that was okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we sacrifice those things. We, we push them down. Right. Yeah. Um, because we take the blame that goes along with those gaslighting messages that I want to initiate, or I'm, I'm frustrated with sitting around waiting because there's something wrong with me, right? We take mm -hmm. on the blame, right? Um, and I made up that there was a gap between what was being taught to you and what you felt in your knowing, right? So because there yes. was a gap, well, I got to fill the gap somehow. And it's easier to blame yourself than to take on a whole ass construct, Exactly. These people love me. It's everywhere. I must be wrong. Exactly. Because it's a whole ass construct. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So then yeah. ultimately, like to get to that place where you thought you were sexually oppressed because you were sexually oppressed, um, repetition, when we sacrifice our truth, when we quiet our voice, when we tell our knowing to be quiet, when we repeat that over and over again, we become disconnected from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. when we're disconnected from ourselves, we're unable to express our own feelings and needs and perceptions. Yeah. Does that resonate? Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And, yeah. and I, you know, and we'll get to this more in a minute, but I think what also happens is we become completely disconnected from our bodies. Yes. Agreed. As women. Yeah. Because it's, because if if I'm turned on, I'm experiencing desire. That's it's not tolerable, right? We right. can't live in that situation. And you talked about you know the threat to the attachment, and like I'll go further. Like I'm sure you agree. Actually, threats to attachment do feel like at a subconscious level mm -hmm. a threat to our security. Because yeah. go all the way back to like lizard brain, lizard right. brains. Like if I don't have my people, I'm gonna die in the desert. Right. And so it totally like we were terrified to leave or take a stand for ourselves or do the thing that we think we're going to get cut off from that we're not mm -hmm. going to be loved for. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, other than that, any, any thoughts about my deconstruction zone or any like ahas, anything I named for you that you're like, Oh, that's a new thing I can put to that or not really. I know you've been working really hard on your stuff. So it might not have been anything new there. <laughs> you know, I really, no, I really appreciate this idea of cognitive dissonance. I had not really like put that label on it before. Okay. And, and, the, and the fact that like, it wasn't valid, right. For me to question. Right. And so of course I didn't like, who right. am I to like overturn the church and the Bible right. and God and like, right. like right. <laughs> it's like the ultimate authority. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a great way to put people in their place and control them, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> just Especially saying. women. Just, just putting just that saying. out there, you know, just, just saying, maybe. <laughs> just, just saying. All right. Let's see how we can turn this into some tools for my listeners um, as we go into my set our alarm segment. So um, Jenny being the, the queen of intimacy, I actually wanted to invite her to take the main portion of set your alarm. And then I'm going to follow up with a little bit of a snooze uh, button today. So Jenny, take it away. What are some tips and um, tools that you would like to share with my listeners around the gaslighting that we experience around our sex and our sexuality. So I think and this is one of my favorite tools to teach my clients. Um, I call it going slow is your superpower. Mm. And so I, when you're hitting a, a wall or a judgment and, and, and like it's something about sex and you're having this thought of like, I can't do that. <laughs> like mm. that's a red flag to mm-hmm. say, to slow down mm-hmm. and go, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And you always say, get curious, Sarah, get yep. curious. Who said that to you? Yeah. Why can't you do that? You know, and, and what is the judgment that you mm-hmm. have inherited? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, about that. And so going slow is your superpower. And there's work that I do where I help women walk through, I believe, and I didn't come up with this. This is Wendy Maltz. She hasn't. So this is one of my tools, um, 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 your sexual healing journey. She talks about all of us are walking around with five negative beliefs about sex. Sex Mm. is secret. Sex is a commodity. Sex Mm. is hurtful. Sex is uncontrollable. And sex has no moral bounds. Mm. And when we're walking around, right? Mm -hmm. Damn. (laughs) When those beliefs are in our operating system, they're Mm going to fuck with everything. Yeah. For sure. Everything. Yeah. So we have to name those and understand which one of those are are like driving the bus, so to speak. And the Mm -hmm. last thing, and I touched on this already, is like in order to reclaim your sexuality around gaslighting, you got to know your body. Mm. And we are cut off from our bodies. And it's a whole nother thing that we're gaslit about. Right. We have to learn to reconnect with what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, you said this, I think on my podcast, I bet you were dead between neck and knees, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're dead down there. We don't pay any attention to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there anything in particular um, that you would say is a good exercise? Like if somebody is saying, I don't know how to connect to my body. What is something I can do right now, today, no matter where I am, that I can, you know, they're on a walk, they're listening in their car, like whatever they might be doing to reconnect with their body? Um, what would you tell them? For sure that the going slow is your superpower. That's also a body exercise when you find yourself rushing around and you okay. don't know why. To okay. literally like check in and slow down. Okay. Um, 
Also, like I teach this fact that we're always in a moment of contraction or expansion. Mm. We contract when we feel threatened or we don't like something. We expand when it feels good. So mm-hmm. just noticing mm-hmm. like when you're listening to this podcast right now, are you yeah. contracting because yeah. it doesn't feel good? Or you're like, holy fuck, I feel seen for the first time mm-hmm. in my life. Just noticing that subtle difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even getting curious. I love that with that. And and <laughs> I've used that a number of times. And every time I quote you, I'll be like my colleague, Jenny Michelle, <laughs> um, Jenny, Michelle <laughs> Jenny Rochelle talks about expand, contract. And so yes. many people have found that healthy. And I think um, to me, even, even with that is when we're contracting, especially I think contracting away to get curious. Yeah. Like, Am I contracting because I don't feel safe? Am I contracting because I feel threatened? Am I contracting because, right? Like I think especially around this area of sex, Mm -hmm. right? It is a scary topic to challenge because it It is is so hardwired, right? Like, I've I've told people before, and then I'll get into my snooze. I've told people before in the the um the the in the denomination I can talk <laughs> in the denomination <laughs> that my ex and I were pastors in, um, sexual sin trumped every other sin. Mm-hmm. It was the worst sin, right? Yeah. So I remember there being a very very gifted musical pastor. Um, who was not allowed to become ordained because he was divorced. Mm-hmm. And yet I also knew of people that were in like ministry in New York at the time. It was like this big thing, like this ex gang leader who had become a Christian was now a pastor and he was ordained. Yeah. I don't even know how many, kill- how many people he killed murdered <laughs> while he was a gang member. Never convicted yeah. for it. Right. Because gang, whatever, right? Like, you know, I don't think he served time or what doesn't matter. Right. Like, divorced, not even like an affair or something like that, just divorced, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not a pastor, murdered pastor, right? Yeah. Like there's this, there's, there, it is such, we are not allowed to challenge or question. So if you're, I just want to say, if you're finding yourself contracting away, like, is it because of trauma around this topic with your partner right now currently is it because like holy crap jenny and i are challenging like some Mm -hmm. constructs that maybe you've been under and like you're scared to question it right um that being said i would love really quick to to just go back to jenny before i go to my snooze and say jenny can you just tell us for a minute or two a little bit about the programs that you do to help people in this area um, a- around healing their, their sexuality. Absolutely. So a, a program that I run a couple times a year is called your big sexy comeback. And it is, it is, we dive deep into those things that I just talked about those five negative beliefs. And we have you reclaim pleasure. Pleasure is another loaded word that we're not allowed mm-hmm. to experience and desire another loaded word that we're not allowed mm-hmm. to experience. And it's in this really safe, group online process called your big sexy comeback but i also i have a free thing that just created and it's called remembering your body Mm. it is a free master class you can go to jenny rochelle jenny with an i dot com forward slash body (laughs) watch it for free (laughs) i'll put the link in the show notes and it's like it's all these good tips right 
Another thing about reconnecting with your body that's the easiest and fastest thing, Sarah, Mm -hmm. dancing. Put on music and see what happens to your body, right? Yes. (laughs) Like you don't have to think about it then. It just happens. I recommend Queen Bee. She always works. <laughs> always. Awesome. <laughs> Queen B. Um, all right. So thank you, Jenny, for that so much. Um, so really quickly, I'm going to give one more thing, just a little snooze button for this area. And I just want to talk for one second about the explanation trap. I mentioned it earlier. Um, what I want to point out, it's so critical to understand the difference. Explaining is not a bad thing, like looking for understanding and being able to explain why I think this way or why I feel this way or what's going on. Like none of that is bad, but what we want to be mindful of is when it kind of ekes into explaining away our gut, um, Mm -hmm. and, or, um, kind of self going into some self gaslighting and how we know this is the tip. Okay. Pay attention to what the result of your explanation is. Okay. When we are slipping into the explanation trap, it doesn't bring relief or understanding, right? There's no peace there, right? It actually is going to create more confusion and especially anxiety and fear. Okay. So I want to point out that there's a difference. Oftentimes when we actually find the explanation for something that we're looking for, we're going to feel some grief. Um, you know, I was talking with some ladies earlier today, we were talking about how, um, when we realize, oh my gosh, I lived under that belief for three decades. Yeah. And the explanation is this grief, right? Like, I can't believe it. Like I wasn't free. I was living under, et cetera, et cetera. So there will be grief. Grief is not the note that, oh my gosh, I must be self-gaslighting. No, 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 no. Grief is actually usually an indicator you're onto something. What we're talking about is when the explanation perpetuates confusion and especially that anxiety and fear. Okay. So that's the snooze button today. Um, Jenny, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It has been so much fun. I think we've talked about a lot of really great things. Thank you for being my guest today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so, so, so happy to be here. I think yeah. you're amazing. I'm your biggest fan. Maybe Aww. for Melanie. Aww. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay. So for you, my listeners, I just want to remind you, if you would like to submit a question that you would like me to answer on the podcast or this is one of those types of podcasts where I want you, my listeners, to come on and bring your stories and let me deconstruct them for you. Let's be a community. Let's share our stories. Let's gain some understanding as we um, live and share together. So both of those links will be in the show notes. And then I just want to thank you for hanging out with me and Jenny today. Um, If you found it helpful, please leave a review. And I would love for you to subscribe. And if you think it would be helpful for others, I know, in fact, I'm going to say, I know that there are at least two people (laughs) right now that you can think of that this topic specifically would be really helpful for. And I would love for you to share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And again, I'll leave you with Wendy Child's Not Today. We got stars and